free to perhaps close some tabs that might ding you during the talk. So if you have Facebook open or if someone might call you oh, randomly just for the hour. I gotta close that all off because how many tabs do you have open? All right. <laughs> I don't even know. Like I have a I don't even know. I have like a plan somewhere and I just sometimes forget to close them all. Yeah. I don't know how to well, keep track of my own life. When you say close tabs, I'm like my heart drops. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just make sure. Well, Me thankfully, too. my phone I'm lives like, on mute. Yeah. Same. I never even pick up my calls, and I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I keep my phone on Do Not Disturb because I just, right. I can't. Yeah. All right. So we will get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Type Talks. Today we have seven female ENFPs, and I'll have everyone introduce themselves. And so, Jenna. Hi everyone watching. My name is Jenna. Um, I guess in this sort of type related community, my claim to fame is that my sister is Dear Kristen. So she does uh, YouTube videos of different skits of the different Myers-Briggs types and you should go watch her channel if you haven't already. Um, then about me, um, obviously I'm an ENFP. I'm married to an INTP and we have three kids. Our oh kids God. are five and under. Um, I'm in Australia, obviously. I'm currently on a beach holiday and it's great. That's probably all the relevant information. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm just shocked that she didn't say that earlier is the highlight of her week that she's at the ocean. Like I'm jealous. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, hello everyone. My name is Michelle. I do have a channel, but it's inactive right now because of many reasons, <laughs> but, uh, I am here and yes. <laughs> I have the social medias. I do. <laughs> Her channel is lovely. It's called Heart of Michi. And I'll have everyone's links down below. So feel free to check them out. Yeah. Dear Kristen is also one of my favorite 16 personality skit people too. So feel free to show her some love. Show the ENFP some love here too as well. <laughs> and Phoebe? Yes. Well, I'm um, quite new to this medium. And so uh, I'm not quite sure um, how how to really navigate and to uh, to get around in this, but I'm willing to try new things. So uh, anyway, it's fun to be here and fun to to meet all you ENFPs. I without I I used to be a member of BAPT, and we had wonderful type alike groupings at, at the meetings and um, that it's I've been missing that uh, with the zoom meetings um, but anyway I now live in Florida I've, oh, cool. I've crossed the uh, United States twice I started out in Pennsylvania and then went to um, to college in Indiana and then moved to Colorado I was married had two children, um, an INTP and an ISTJ, and um, then got divorced, went to graduate school in California where I met the Myers-Briggs and, um, and formed a, a very solid relationship with, uh, with type. And uh, then moved back across the nation to Texas and then uh, when all my family sort of left there, I, I went to Florida. So uh, 
that's how I ended up here. It's lovely to have you here. And so you'll notice that I'm inviting people on from the association of psychological type more often. And that's because I'm trying to bridge the gap between YouTube and the APT community. And so thank you so much for coming on, Phoebe. Well, my pleasure. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. And Melanie? Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Melanie. Uh, my pronouns are she, they. And I have been in the tech community for several years and I'm not a content creator, but it's something that I find um, just incredibly useful in my personal life. Um, I'm an Enneagram 4 in case that's useful or interesting to anybody. Um, I'm in Chicago and I'm not sure what else is relevant, so I'll stop there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice to have you on. I appreciate your fairy lights behind you. Yeah, find- beautiful. ENFPs and fairy lights are like a slight trend. Like if you look behind <laughs> Michelle, she loves her her lights yeah. behind you, and Boonie that likes her sense. lights. Yeah. And Lily. Yeah. So I'm new to the new to this you know panel, and I always got the heebie-jeebies because I'm like so nervous because I've never done this before. But yeah, my name's Lily. Um, I guess I mean Joyce. You typed me as an ENFP as soon as you I walked in. I would say. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm just like going off tangent. It's because I'm such a scattered brain gal. Okay, so um, that's allowed. A, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for accepting me. So anyway, I live. No, I live in the majestic Golden State, aka California, and I don't know. I, it's really hard to figure out like, what kind of facts are relevant to me. I mean, I guess I hyperfixate on dogs because sometimes I feel like I love dogs more than people, but I mean, I don't know. I really don't know what else I can contribute. I'm like freaking out. It's lovely. All I'm looking for you all to contribute is yourself. So you automatically excel at that. So I'm trying to be myself here. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That's good. And Sherry? I kind of got into, you know, typing. I don't know, 30 years ago when I joined Bay Area Psychological Type. And that's how I met Phoebe. And Phoebe invited me to be on the panel. And I'm a retired family practice doctor who has done a million other things. (laughs) I always stayed a doctor. (laughs) But... In between, I've done a lot of art. I've done ceramics. I got a degree in transpersonal psychology. I mean, it, it's, I, I kind of group ENFPs into, I'm more intellectually um, ENFP than socially. I'm, I, you know, like one-on-one friends. I don't like large groups. You know, that, I don't, I'm not afraid of groups. I just rather have one-on-one interactions. So I think my introverted feeling function is really, really strong. And I'm, I also type as an Enneagram 4 for the other people who are Enneagram 4s. And um, I've always been single. I also love dogs, although I don't have one right now. And um, right now I'm... Um, when I retired from medicine, I taught yoga for many years, um, 20 years. I've taught yoga along with the practice. And then now I'm just doing that a little bit and really enjoying it. So that's me. 
Heck yes. I'm also like you. I can be an introvert sometimes because, you know, I, you know, can be a little hermit every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like the difference between being a cognitive extrovert and a social extrovert because yeah. those are different things. Because colloquially, people in the masses define it as being social, but that's not what Jungian extroversion is. Yes. Jungian extroversion is spending more of a percentage of time in the external world in whatever form you prefer it. And mm -hmm. for ENFPs, it is NE, so mm -hmm. it's more conceptual. So it doesn't actually have to be interacting with the real, real world always. And so, Booni, would you like to tell us a bit about you? Yes, I'm ENFP4, wing five you believe in wings. Um, I have a background in psychology and art too. So it's really cool to see everyone, probably everyone here, like psychology, art, and probably throwing in child development. Um, I am a coach myself, I, but I speak more in terms of using the archetypes in education systems and decolonizing practices related to neurodivergent minds. And um, I, I know someone else said, I think it was Phoebe said that she weaves it in, right? And Joyce was integrating things, right? And so I, I talk about geek culture and using archetypes to, to examine who we are. So it's wonderful that we're all here because I think that's what we do. We tend to cross contextually do things all the time and that you can't separate ENFP from that. So it's wonderful to be here. Yeah, there was this video I watched. Uh, it was like a TED talk a few years ago and it was called like, a multi-potentialite and I'm like you're literally describing any right now thank you <laughs> thank you for making more people aware that we do this because <laughs> like I can't stick to one thing and just do that forever I don't understand how people do that like it doesn't make sense I can't force myself to even stick to anything for any amount of time <laughs> the word multi-potentialite and polymath are great words to describe any someone who values it really strongly. And so, hi everyone, my name is Joyce and I'm a certified MBTI master practitioner. And I also do typing sessions and I coach people. All right, so ENFPs, let's discuss some possible themes or some trends among your personality type. I was thinking maybe I would throw the first bone. And so I'm wondering about everyone's relationship with synchronicity. Do you ever feel like, like, I don't know, if you have a certain thing happen and another thing happen, do you ever feel a sense of synchronicity with that? All the time. I feel like it's a big map, con constantly a big map, but I have to gather the data. I have to li have lived experience. I have to have things consolidate. So I'll touch one thing and jump to another while things are settling and, and then pairing with other themes of information. And like it's a domino effect until... And then when other people see us from the outside, of course, they never understand, like, what the hell are you doing? It's like, well, I have a big roadmap. It's a big picture. You don't understand because you don't, you can't see it through my perspective, but just wait and see. I promise I know what I'm doing, even though you think, and at the same time, I don't know what I'm doing. So it's kind of cool that we embrace the duality of doing that, you know, like, so it's, I don't know. I just, it's hard to explain. <laughs> I, I guess in my life, it's come in sort of, because it's hard for me to make decisions and I I kind of wait for that right aha before I will go for it. And sometimes it's years. Sometimes I sit on ideas 
forever because I've noticed if I go forward without that sense of synchrony or magic that pops in, things do not work out and I'm not happy with what happens. But when I wait patiently, and I do sometimes people laugh at me, but I'm used to it now. <laughs> I wait and then that that thing that right person that right opportunity it's kind of like today you know when phoebe emailed me it just felt yep that's what i'm doing this i really want to do this and um i don't know yes <laughs> i would go i i think i understand um what you're talking about it and i enjoy those moments they're really fun I cannot relate more to what you just said. Like, I'm like, are you describing what's going on in my mind? Anytime I try to force something to happen, it just doesn't work. It just no. consistently fails to work. Um, there's actually a character in a TV show that I was watching. And um, I'm fairly confident he's an ENFP, though a lot of people on the internet think that he's an ENTP because he's like smart and thinks things through. Wow. Um, but anyway... <laughs> He does that thing where he'll set up a bunch of like possible scenarios, but then he'll follow whichever one is the most likely right now yes. and the most lucrative right now and wait. But he's setting up these other ones outside of the here and now and getting all these plot strings moving around, but he's only going after whatever is most advantageous right at that moment. And I feel like that's a pretty good um, representation of how we kind of process things. Exactly. Yep. That's, that's really how I tend to run my life these days. Something either says, come on in, or no, this isn't working out very well. So uh, closing it down. And um, so I, I try to take steps toward things and not leaping into something, but taking a step toward it to see if it, you know, what the synchronicity is there. But um um, you know, I, I've, I've always noticed synchronicities, you know, and um, my son and I laugh about the synchronicity of he used to, to get career messages about his work um, through, um, uh, through um, fortune cookies. And so <laughs> when he'd get a fortune cookie, it would it would tell him what to do next. And we we laughed about it, but truly he got uh, several really good tips about what he should do uh, through uh, fortune cookies. And uh, it, it was funny to watch him <laughs> go, oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway. So I, I truly believe in synchronicities being there if you notice them, you know. So that that goes on to that kind of rings a bell with me. And how many of us use divinatory techniques to help us? I'm a big tarot person, along with I'm just, I'm just laughing at how many things I've done seriously, you know. <laughs> But yeah, I have found that it it just reflects hidden truths that are just under the surface to me. And it I have found that to be really helpful in my life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And there's something I've been noticing with the ENFPs in my life as well. And those close to me who are also interested in those kind of divinatory, divinatory practices, as you put them, um, but these intuitive, these ways of accessing our intuition, I think ENFPs, because I don't know how to boil it down to a cognitive function perspective, but there's, there's a way in which we go about understanding the world that's very experiential and very, um, we have this, this intuitive information that we're sort of adding to our own any map of how we see the world and understand the world. And so we're able to interface with these ways of understanding ourselves and other people that maybe aren't fully fleshed out in a like purely logical, you know, framework. Yeah. Um, but they feel very resonant, resonant and accessible to us. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's something I've noticed as a pattern with ENFPs. And it feels very, it's not that I'm not doing my own discernment of it internally, but it's very much based on my own experience of it. And I feel um, that's definitely something I notice. Absolutely. You have to write that down and send it to us. That's a great word. <laughs> ENFPs tend to like novel utterances. So when they hear something that's never been said before or a way of thinking about something that's never been thought before, they're like, oh, that's an interesting way of seeing it. I am amused. <laughs> Everything's always so piquing our interest. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I find ENFPs, they do notice synchronicity more than other types, um, especially religious ENFPs. They'll see, you know, I see a certain sign here and here and here and here. And there's just the ability to NE connect things really fast. And the FI, there's a certain type of romanticism that comes with FI. So they can take the something and then romanticize it into a, a synchronicity, whereas other types that are a little bit more rational or down to earth, no, not rational is a weird word to use, but like other types that are more, they're more even keel will not make those types of connections because they're too like feet on ground. Down but to like, earth, yeah. Too down to earth, yeah. I find ENFPs have the ability to imagine. They have a stronger imagination in general. Like NE is a very good imagination function and it's lovely. There's something so, about it because with NE, anything is possible. It doesn't have to go through it's kind of like what I was talking about with the, how does this resonate in land for me? Does this track with my understanding of the world as it is? So it's not like it's not going through any filters, but it's not, there's no sense of like what's possible and not possible because everything is theoretically possible to any doms. I feel like because of that openness, there's not, um, I mean, I guess it's the same thing like I said before, there's not like a need to fit it into an established framework or like and also there's another piece of I think ENFPs are very comfortable with things that um we can there what am I saying for example there's a lot of things especially if you get into the intuitive and the spiritual realm that we don't have the technology or the understanding to be able to quantify mm -hmm. or um prove in a very concrete way but that are very um that we're able to experience intuitively and emotionally and energetically and all of these things. And so I think there are some types that struggle with that more because if it's not fitting into a, like an existing framework or it can't be, I don't know what words to use. Um, there's a way in which I think ENFPs can interface with those kinds of intuitive experiences with a lot of openness and without a need to fit it into a system. And it's very, um, not that it's not making sense to us and it's not going through some kind of discernment process, but it just makes sense 
to us in a way that I think other types may need more structure around or more yeah. evidence. I put evidence in quotes because there is a time for all of the things that we have evidence for now, there's been a time where we didn't yet, you know what I mean? Um, so I think that's the thought. Does that make sense? Anybody want to add anything? <laughs> yeah, sure. I have. I had a follow-up question, uh, which is how many of you like have this feeling that you just understand things without needing to have it like broken down piece by piece. I feel like people will be like, oh, this is what it is. And I'm like, that makes sense. And then they'll tell me something else. I'm like, that makes sense. And then like, I just know that information and now I can like relate that in other situations and I've never broken it down fully. So there are flaws to that. And like, sometimes it bites me, but usually I just like look at something and I'm like, yeah, I get it. I got it. <laughs> I think I have, oh, so in, I think I have the opposite experience in that often I'm very aware of the things I don't understand because mm -hmm. I see so many possibilities that are outside of my own perception. So what I think what you're talking about, Michelle, though, in fairness to you, is something different from that, which is just <laughs> when you do, when you do sort of have all these reference points that then synchronize and come together and form, um, whether it's an FI conviction that is then formed based on the information that you've gathered, whether that's subconscious or conscious or whatever, um, then you do have this sense of, there's almost a sense of seeing behind the veil that isn't accessible to other people. And you, it's a form of knowing, kind of like Melanie was saying to tie into that. There's a form of knowing and a form of certainty that we can access um, through the way we perceive things that maybe other people don't have. Um, but at the same time as saying like, I know this, I'm also like, but I don't because there's so much outside of my own knowing. Does that make sense? Sure. It makes perfect Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. That's my experience. Yeah. I find that uh, ENFPs are very good at understanding people and, and at a depth and a level that others often miss. You know, I, um, I, I, and that to me is related to the introverted feeling function because to me introverted feeling when you really get to that depth it is about that depth of knowing what's right you know what's what's and and it's it's sort of your inner voice that knows what's true what isn't true um, that it's almost a, it's a connection to uh, uh, the divine in a sense. Believe me, it ENFPs get even better at doing this as you age because you get gather more experience with it, and you um, we really get people and what's going on with them. They claim that it's we can read a room. But that's not true. Uh, I mean, you really don't go in and just read what's going on. But just by the conversations, by a, we get it immediately. There's, it's just connecting those dots. It may not be cor totally correct, but we we grok the situation, you know that that may be an old-fashioned word to use grok, but it's it's really getting that aha moment almost immediately, you know. 
And um, it's <laughs> what my challenge is these days is I get it. What do I do with it? So, um, you know, <laughs> uh, because uh, a lot of times what you're getting, people don't want to hear or they don't, they, they just can't hear or, you know, yeah. it's, it's just how, what do you do with it? And um, so anyway, that's my challenge these days because I, I get too much. I mean, and it's, and I trust and I know that it's true. Yeah. Uh, and, but how do I express that to the world? How do I use that? I'm still trying to learn um, how to how how to use that because it's needed <laughs> and uh, in the world. Yeah, and I find because of ENFP's ability to read behind the curtain really well, mm -hmm. they tend to sometimes like movies or songs that other people may not see the value in because they can see the hidden patterns or meanings behind it. It's like, oh, you know, that song is actually really deep because if you dissect the, like, and NE sees everything as a gobstopper. So a, a gobstopper is like a candy with multiple layers and it just keeps having layer after layer. And um, NE tends to like to pile on meanings or like kind of see things that have a meaning and meaning and meaning like so that it's layered of meaning, like a crap cake of meaning. Um, and so oftentimes I find that there are these more abstract films or these more abstract songs that people miss the abstract value of it. And so I find the NFPs are quick to pick up. Oh, you know, like there's that hidden significance behind this that other people, it, it's falling past them. But because of your ability to get the conceptual gist of something very easily, you're able to, to understand the, the depth of it through introverted feeling too, because you can understand the humanity behind it in ways that other people can't. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't see it as much as, uh, as much being layered as I do um, understanding psychodynamics. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they're layer on layer, but it's, it's really getting to, to, to the truth of it, you know, of seeing it as it really is. So when you talk about imagination, that's not how I experience it. It's not imagination. I know it's there. And from a very early age, from a very early age, I understood the relationship of my mother and my father. I understand understood the psychodynamics that were going there. I didn't have words, but I could see just the whole pattern. And in fact, they used to ask me, "Why does your father do this? Why does I don't understand your mother? Why do you know?" Anyway, and of course, they never believed me when I told them what I saw. But you know, I've. This is a skill that I've always had. That's so relatable. <laughs> it reminds me, so Joyce, what you were saying, and Phoebe, what you were saying. So Joyce, you were talking about the candy. And when you said layers, I was actually applying it to what 
Phoebe was saying in that there are, it's like people have this core of what is true and then they have all of these layers on top of it, facade layers. Yeah. And it's like, we just immediately see underneath those in a way that just makes sense to us exactly. oftentimes. We can um, see past the persona. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, like Phoebe, what you were saying, I think a lot of people aren't just, you were saying, what do I do with that? And it really just depends on the person you know it's hard when people aren't ready for that or they're not ready to be seen in that way and being an enneagram four and having done a lot of personal growth and healing work and being really deeply rooted in my authenticity um it's an interesting process to witness like you know showing up to relationship with other people in that way and people are either ready to meet you there or it's very unsettling to them when you're like hey i'm seeing you and noticing you whether i'm either saying it or responding to them in a way it is like responding to the truth of what's happening or reflecting something back. Um, it can be interesting to see how people respond to that, depending on how open they are to being seen in that way. Yep. Well, I, I've gotten a lot of pushback from it. And <laughs> I, uh, I don't spin out possibilities <laughs> these days. Um, I don't give advice these days, um, unless I uh, unless they ask for it, because I've had too many people say, nah, you don't really believe that, or no, that's not really true, or, you know, denial, uh, argue, whatever. So um, I, I just, uh, I'm still learning not to give advice, <laughs> not, but what do I do with what I see, you know, it, 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 it would be very helpful if I told a person what I saw, but I, I'm just going to bounce. And this is a little bit different, but it's about advice. Yep. And what I've learned is, and I have one close, I, I have not had many ENFP friends, but I have one now. And it's really nice because both of us, it's like when you're in a P, you extrovert ideas, you know, and you want to throw them around with people. You want to play tennis with them and you don't take, I don't take my, I, I mean, one is to see deeply into people's hearts, which I do take seriously, but this batting around possibilities and ideas, I've learned that some people take me way too seriously when I say, oh, you could do that. Or did yep. you ever think of this? I could care less if they do it or want it. But what's surprising to me is that people feel like I'm controlling or I'm trying to run mm -hmm. their life. And it's like, I don't give I don't. ass if you take this seriously, just go, that's an interesting idea. And then Use it if you want. Not. I, I feel like I could have a booth. People come to me and I promise in 10 minutes to give them 10 ideas <laughs> that they could use yeah. because that's what's going on in my head is just generating possibilities, ways. There are 20 ways of doing this. And then it's like, what way do I want to do? But if I share this, I just feel like I'm sharing a gift. And then I know it's frequently rejected. And I've learned, yeah. just like Phoebe said, 
Yeah. Try, 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 try. There's some people who are fine with it. Like my NFP friend, she gets it. I can say, oh, you, th you ever think of this? And she goes, no. And I don't think that would work. And I'm like, cool. You know, it's just an idea. And we understand that. But most people don't. So I've learned to um, ask people to say, I'm having a bunch of ideas about this. Do you want to yeah. hear them or not? And I'm fine if you don't want to hear them. Please be honest with me. And I've, I've learned to ask a lot more uh, before I speak. And I'm trying to learn how to do that with the deeper emotional things yeah. about, you know, I see something that maybe a little sensitive to you. Um, I it do. Are you interested in hearing my perspective or not? And I find with most people that actually works because they, yeah. they're going to get defensive. They tend to get defensive then. And I can go, no problem. <laughs> and, and it does feel, and maybe this is what Phoebe's talking about, that we hold a lot inside that, um, that has value. And I've, I've tried to use that to guide myself through the world. And, and I was thinking today about this group and I also am older, but uh, how that goes with introverted sensing, which is memories of things that have gone well and memories that have things that have gone bad that keep me um, honest, even when I want to explore certain possibilities, but that knowledge that that hasn't worked so well in the past, or I have a friend that during COVID, it, it, it was indirectly because of COVID, but it was stuff I knew about her forever. It just got really bad. And I just decided, you know what? It was a person who's a screamer. And I just decided it was so bad one day. I just said, you know, we need to talk about this. And that was the end of a 30-year friendship. Yes, yes. But I want to go back and rekindle that friendship. But my inner introverted sensing says, nope. Sherry, nope. you know where she's at. You know what's going on with her. Don't do it. But but I miss her. <laughs> I, no. I relate so much to that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> But yeah. it's just funny, like how they talk about how that inferior function is a ballast. And I think that's how it works with me is these memories of experience of, of following, like the more um, conscious, the more the more normal way of being in the world. And it's memories of how how sometimes that's not such a good thing <laughs> that keep me from going off track into repeating badness. <laughs> so. It's a good way of expressing it, Cherry. And that leads on to something else that I think is an ENFP theme. So I find ENFPs 
there is a theme of unconditional love that a lot of them have. I'm not saying I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying with certain ENFPs, they're the type more likely to like when they love you, they love you. If you're actually in the FI heart, you're in the FI heart for life, no matter where you are, no matter what your state, you are in their their heart. And you can do really bad things to the ENFP and they may not have a relationship with you anymore. And that might have really hurt them, but they still care about you to some extent. For a large extent, even if we, we know we just can't go there. <laughs> really can't. Yeah. And I would say that's really true about this person. I really do care about her. I wish her the best, but I'm just tired of being the cl the person close to her who she dumps on. And yeah. I absolutely know it wasn't personal because I've watched yeah. her do it for 30 years. <laughs> Everybody, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I yeah. think it comes down to understanding, again, the complexity of the human person. So we might be friends with someone and at the same time you need to have boundaries in your friendships so that each party in the friendship is flourishing and happy and benefiting from that friendship um so the boundaries in the relationship are important but if someone crosses a boundary too many times or if they're not respectful of the other person and the friendship ends that's that's a human thing a lot of the time you know no one's perfect um they might do something that's completely inexcusable in terms of continuing the friendship the way that existed prior to that point um but that doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden you think they're a bad person or you hate them or anything like that you can still hold space for the fact that um yes it's sad that the friendship doesn't exist in the same capacity that it does anymore that's sad at the same time we had good memories i still they were important valued part of my life for however many years or whatever and i still hold that dear to me that that's really important to me. That makes up part of my story and who I am um, as much as it does for them. Yes. Um, even if the relationship sours or anything like that, it's still significant in some way. And I think it's just respecting that, which maybe is SI related. <laughs> yeah. It's also the NE being able to stay open-minded, even if someone's hurt you, because a lot of people, what they do is they just characterize you as fully bad or fully good, but ENFPs are able yeah. to acknowledge that your actions may have not been so conducive to the relationship, but they won't do that thing. I don't know, unless they're in an FI mode where they, they, they do the repulsion switch thing, but when they're not doing that thing, they are the most love you, even if you're no longer in my life kind of types mm -hmm. too. And so Booney and Lily, you haven't spoken that much yet. So I just wanted to give you space to talk if you wanted to. Um, do you guys want to add anything? Not at all? Okay. Sure. Um, I, I guess you can say that us NFPs, I mean, for my perspective, I know that we can be perceived as being really loyal and that we're passionate, but also we have a habit of just idealizing of something that may be not real, but we just tend to just strive towards that anyways. But um, so what was the question again? I was zoning out for a second. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I was just talking about ENFPs and how they love people. That's basically the topic right now. I mean, we do love meeting people. We really do. We, we just kind of like go for the connection and then we just can be a little too deep, I would say. I mean, sure, I guess you can say that we enjoy small talk and all that, but sometimes 
we just kind of wanted to disregard of the small talk and just kind of go uh go into like just yeah. dive deep into like you know um something deep like something about like all your passions and just anything just your hopes and your dreams sometimes we're just more interested in that kind of concept something about that about us that we feel like oh this is just something we're interested in getting to know the person rather than just you know just skip the small talk um sometimes i just want to know other things and just dive deep dive in a little deeper to know what their intentions are like why are we living here or and i mean there's just a lot that goes into it it's just that we just like to think about all the possibilities and we just want to know like i don't know i'm just like rambling or something i mean that's just part of the enfp trade too right <laughs> and we're just saying things like just shooting things like left and right you can't be self-conscious going all over the place around people who are all over the place our entire life. So. <laughs> we can't judge you. We we feel you. We're there with you. What that's is, why we're all here. What is a direct line of convert? It doesn't. Ha- I mean, that's why Joyce is here to keep us on track. That is true. That is very true. I do want to make one small comment, which is that I think, especially having like any in the first slot but then having the fi with that we hate the idea of losing a possibility and we're best case scenario thinkers we're always thinking about the best case scenario and i think that's why we keep going back to people we who always hurt go us. back into like toxic relationships yeah and, friendships, and then we just think oh we're giving them the benefit of doubt assume yes. like things can change and that they are just going to you know we hope mm-hmm. the best out of them basically but then mm-hmm. ultimately we just get hurt but then we just fail to recognize those red flags and just assume that I don't know we just are quick to just feel like okay we're just broken but then we will eventually slowly try to forgive them but sometimes it's just hard for us to just I don't know it's just very complicated like we just fail to see what's out the reality and we just keep idealizing that's my problem sometimes yeah I think well I think there's a couple things to that I think one can be the idealizing but I think it comes back to what Phoebe was saying earlier about seeing to the core of somebody and people are inherently good and so when you peel back all of those layers that are piled on top of people like we're able to connect with that person that's in there underneath all the you know awful behaviors that might be happening Um, And so I think the work for us comes with, okay, what is this person showing me now? What version of them are they bringing to the table in this relationship with me? And do I want to be in relationship with that person? Because we can see who they actually are when they're not behaving in these ways. And the, Mm -hmm. we can get so attached to that. And there is a truth in that. And unless somebody is actually going to deal with those things and actually um, change how they show up and behave with other people, it doesn't matter. And so learning it doesn't matter is really important for us to have healthy boundaries around relationships. But I don't think we're mm-hmm. idealizing as much as we are actually like seeing to the core of someone's, uh, I was gonna say someone's potential and that is true, but like truly like who they are when they're not, um, there's not all those layers of armor and maladaptive coping and all of those things, you know? Yeah. Plus, I think we're eternal optimists mm-hmm. around change. Well, you could change. Anyone you know? can change yeah. if they want to. Yeah. <laughs> right. But that we is believe in people. You have to, they have to we want do. change. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I learned that mm-hmm. the hard way. <laughs> yeah. In some relationships. Yeah. Um, 
because people don't change unless they see, unless they really need to. And so anyway, but, but it is, um, you know, because I, I think we can walk in other people's shoes because, you know, we can understand that part of them that is, that, that's there, um, that, that there's, we can see things just as, as um, Melanie said, that, you know, we can see the core. And, um, but um, anyway, it, it, it just, um, but it is about drawing your own boundaries and saying, okay, I can't go there with you, you know, um, you know, I can hear you, but I can't go there with you. So uh, that's what helps you yeah. maintain your core. Yeah. And, and because you can see people's cores, sometimes ENFPs can be more gracious to the people that everyone else hates. It's like, maybe there's this one person that everyone's like, oh, I hate that person. And the ENFP before judging them is like, all right, who's the core of this person? I'm not gonna take any everyone else's opinion to heart. Like, who, who is this person actually? I'm not gonna just judge them because everyone else is judging them. I picked up on something you said, Joyce, that I don't want to skip over because it's an issue in my life. And <clears throat> I've never heard anyone say this before, but something about like this FI thing um, that is very judgmental. And with me, it's more because I can meet someone for the first time and I just pick up on stuff other people don't that's scary for me. It really scares me. And I've learned, and this is something, this is a four thing. And this is what makes me one of those ENFP fours. I have to hold some of that stuff rather than react to it immediately, because that was a really destructive thing that I would do earlier in my life is <laughs> I would just blow up what's missing and what's wrong in myself and others. And um, I, I've learned to hold that. It still makes me uncomfortable and I've learned to have boundaries, but it's kept me out of friendships that I would kind of get sucked into when I was younger because I just didn't know what, to do with it and if it was really bad i would get scared if it wasn't so bad i would just kind of float along in some superficial way with a person but i never really liked them and i would be scrambling to figure out how to say no <laughs> but but there is this this um thing where sometimes and as phoebe says what's scary to me is how often i'm so right on i don't want to be so right on but yeah. i but, have yeah, seen yes. things in people that other people don't see that are like really scary <laughs> sometimes it's just like it's not always, you know, looking in there and seeing something seeing good. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, but okay. Sometimes it's people who other people seem to like really like and get along with. And I'm like, 
I'm steering my ship far from these shoals because this person is so needy that I can't deal with it or something like that. We've got really good needy detectors, you know, Um, you know, when they want too much, uh, you know. Yeah. And it's also noticing their character. Maybe it's a slimy dar. You can see when someone's slimy as a person. And so other people might be charmed by their mask. But like for ENFPs, they're not judging you off of other people's judgments of you. They're trying to their FI is coming to their own conclusion about who you are. And so they might notice like everyone likes this person, but this person's actually a trash person because you can, <laughs> you can feel it. <laughs> a trash star. <laughs> and those, those are the vibes that introverted feeling give you. You know, you really have to trust that. That, you know, sometimes you don't even know what it is or you have a body reaction to them. But, you know, it is the intuition picking something up and the FI saying, don't go there. You know, this, this, um, this is, you know, it's not going to work out. Don't, don't put energy in this because, you know, they're in relationships, they're energies, the ones that, that take all your energy and those are, those they're ones that give you energy and you're, you know, you're excited about. Well, the energy drainers are, are too needy and you cannot satisfy that need. You know, it's not your responsibility to do that either, <laughs> but they're trying to, you know, to, um, you know, to, to really get their needs met from you. And that's not, that's not a good relationship. Yeah. A healthy relationship. So just my impression, (laughs) my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about extroverted thinking because that's, that's a side of me that is, I mean, I, I really do use it a lot at work and to get things done. And it's, it's just weird to me how like the dark side of extroverted thinking, if I'm pushed, if nobody is doing something and something is due and there's a deadline, wow. Like that extroverted thinking comes out and I am like, you do this, you do this. And if people protest, no, 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 we got to get this done. Go do it. No, don't argue just do it it's just like i can i i don't like that part of myself so much but it does come out when they're urgent situations and and i just become this pointer person yeah doing it fast I was actually I was actually talking about this exact thing with my ESTJ and ESFP siblings yesterday morning while we were getting coffee. Um, specifically, my ESTJ brother who uses TE as his dominant function, and he is so chilled out. And I have a best friend who's also an ESTJ, and they are really organized, but it's seamless and it's really chilled out. And I have this theory that 
Um, if it's lower in your function stack, when it comes out and rears its head, it's more kind of like stereotypical or over the top. And my sister and I, who both use TE in our third spot, um, when we when the TE comes out, man, you know it's there. You know the TE is there. The tone of voice completely changes. The tone of voice goes from like, oh, yeah, whatever, we're EPs. We don't care what's going on. The tone of voice then becomes no, I told you this. No, you have to do this. Do it now. We're doing this. We're going here. We're doing, you know. And what I've noticed as well in myself with a third spot TE, and this is in direct contrast to my husband who is an INTP, so his dominant function is TI, um, and the TI third spot TE clashes are real in the sense that my husband is incredibly deliberate slow to make decisions, wants to take on board all the information before he commits to something. Um, and his word choice is really precise. It sometimes will take him like 20 minutes to get out a sentence, but when it gets out, it's like perfect language, like everything. Um, but I've noticed that I have this completely arbitrary sense inside myself of urgency. So the urgency that I perceive is not really it's not really that urgent and my husband will often call me out on this he'll say okay but why do we need to make this decision right now what's three hours difference gonna make and I'm like I don't know I need to take it off because I just I don't use this function and I want to put it away and like deal with it and then I can get back to being cool and chill and whatever yeah. um I mean, so I wonder if any of you relate to that that's so TE tertiary. <laughs> yeah. You don't yeah. see it in dominant TE users because if a plan goes haywire for them, they just seamlessly make a new one or they just yeah. they just use it really easily. But for me, I'm like, yeah, so much is at stake. Yeah. You know? With TE, sometimes there can be a goal made in your mind and no one else knows it's the goal that you've decided on. And you're like, all right, we got to get it done now. And everyone's like, wait, that goal's not in my head. Why are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's illuminating for sure. Is, to me, under stress, stress does this to all of your functions. They do not function well. It is not just your fourth function you have problems with. It's any function. So that, you know, that's what it does to your, your TE is you become this demanding, bossy person, you know, that, you know, do it or else. And, um, and so, you know, this is not good use of this cognitive function. And the only, the way my best thinking comes about is, is really um, writing things out, and, um, you know, just uh, trying to, to think things through so that if I'm planning a trip or something like that, it, it takes a lot of, uh, of thinking and, and um, you know, placement of, okay, we could do it this way and, and here are the resources and, you know, gathering all that stuff. But it has to be more, it, it's a much more... Um, um, a, a process than than TEs ever think of doing it. You know, uh, it just comes naturally to them. Yeah. So it's a it's so it just you know in our our natural functions, you know, we do those really well and naturally, 
and anything else <laughs> doesn't look like it's natural, you know. That's it's, right. That's it, exactly right. Oh, well, you can't compete with a, an extroverted thinker in your thinking process. I can't argue with them. Um, you know, I I uh, just you know I I'm just tongue tied when I have to do that. But, you know, I can use it what, the way I want to use it. But well, I, I, I had a brother who was a, 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 an ENTJ and, oh, he was just wicked. So anyway, I would, I would, um, I had my humorous way of dealing with him, but it wasn't, it, I couldn't compete. So anyway. Just my yeah. thoughts. I think there are different ways that TE DOMS can show up. And I, as we were talking about that, I don't know if this is, feel free to reroute if this is getting us off track from, from what we were just talking about. But um, there are two things that you said. One is that I'm noticing as I'm hearing everyone talk about their TE is that I, I feel really comfortable using TE to like organize my thoughts. And I use it a lot in communication. I'm like, how, I, how do I communicate this very concisely? And that's a way of using my TE that feels very satisfying to me that doesn't feel stressful. But as soon as we start to use TE for like results, getting things done, I think part of the reason it feels so stressful is because the world puts so much pressure on it. And especially here in the US where it's just like, we just live in a TE. Well, I don't know if it's a TE culture, but it's like an ESTJ culture for sure. Um, and there's this, there's this sense of like, we're being judged if this isn't good. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, that's, so there's like stress around that too. I think that kind of leads pretty well into what I was kind of thinking while you guys were talking. You were talking about the negative side of TE, which I definitely relate to, but I also think that there's a really strong positive side because I personally really love using my TE. Um, of oh, course, yeah. I so I love planning for the sake of planning, but following through, I hate it. And what I actually made a realization the other night, I was actually writing it down like yesterday or the night before um that for me something that's really really satisfying and it's part of why i was really good at math is i like solving problems that have short-term solutions like i love like a quick like figuring out how to solve a problem really quick like i just love that i live for that so when people come to me they want my advice i'm like like you were saying sherry here's some possible things that you could do i just love i just live for giving solutions so solving problems giving solutions it is just like <laughs> that's lovely yeah just absolutely yeah. yeah and uh boonie do you have any thoughts Oh, sorry. I can also, no worries. No worries at all. I just wanted to make sure that we're including you. Um, Jenna, it's really interesting how you mentioned the TE voice change, because I can always tell when an FP person is using their TE because their voice just shifts and it gets yep. all serious and I, you can hear it. It's not their normal chill voice. It's like this. You just, it's you just, just very direct. It's very like direct that's the best way I can there's say a it. nickname for it do you guys know the nickname for for uh is it assertiveness that's not a nickname no. right oh. no there's a nickname <laughs> for low te when it comes out and it is oh called the te okay. witch slap but with oh, the, the word the, the, yeah i've heard about it I've the te witch slap yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it comes <laughs> out it comes out strong <laughs> oh it's really it's awful. It's like you don't want to get 
on our bad side or any or else you know I catch yeah. myself at work because I I'm a manager so I have to deal with a lot of people and like we're working on projects and when people are not doing what they're supposed to do or they're asking me stupid questions and I'm busy and I'm trying to work on things and I'm like you should know the answer to this I get like very annoyed and I have to stop myself from responding thankfully it's virtual so we have chat so I have a second to think about it but you can even see in chat when I go on like my little tirades where I'm like this needs to be done by this time and this needs to get and I just get like so angry and like heated by these things that aren't getting to, like, like you were saying, like, an I have a false sense of urgency for things like, and then yeah. like this, it's on my mind. It needs to be taken care of. So I can think about things that I would rather think about. And it helps as well. Like to what I usually do is I'll just add a little disclaimer to whoever I'm talking to because you can feel it kind of coming on. And I'm like, okay, just so you know, I tend to get really blunt and direct and I'm going to speak to you in a way that sounds aggressive. I'm going to try my best to control that, but it's probably going to slip out in some way, shape or form. Please know that I'm not angry at you. I'm not angry at you, I'm not judging you, but this tone of voice is going to come out of me. I cannot stop it. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I, was, I'll try my best. I have this girl I was just working, I was just coaching her today. She's, she's either an ESTJ or ISTJ. I haven't fully figured that out. Um, but we were talking about exactly that because I think TJs in general come off like that to most people just because like, they're, they're direct, they're to the point, they're not adding a bunch of fluff into the conversation. And they talk about things as if it's obvious, it's facts, this is what it is. Um, and I think it's just kind of funny that you said that because I was just having that same, she was like, until I was in my 30s, I could not like stop being like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, so much self-discipline, so much self-discipline. Yeah. I'm so thankful that I'm married to an INTP, like the dominant TI. Because every time the TE comes out, he is so good at just like rounding it out and just reminding me, you know, ow, because <laughs> his little baby Effie is like, oh, are you mad at me? I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm not mad at you. TEs do it without emotion. Sorry, <laughs> that's what I have to remind people. Like, I have to remind the Effie doms, TEs are not emotional about this. They are just telling yes. you facts. Like, yes. that's all it is. They're not trying to, like, make you feel bad for not getting it done. They're just saying it's not, they're just giving you information. They just don't know how to sugarcoat it. They don't get emotions. <laughs> well, some of them do, most of them don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and they might, but it doesn't come out vocally. It doesn't come true. out expressively. They might be thinking, like, they might be loving on you. But the way they're talking is not going to convey that nuance in their emotional, their right. internal emotional world. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You know, Another way that I notice. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just bouncing off something Jenna said about how she tells people. And in my job as a doctor, which is kind of, I was a primary care doctor and I loved it. I did not do hospitals. I did not do really sick people. I did primary, primary care. And I would was and still am, even though I'm not practicing good at it, <laughs> um, is that too much thrown at me at once. And there's a lot that gets thrown at a doctor. It's like being a mom. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I let my medical assistants know. I would say, look, okay, sometimes when I'm sitting at my computer typing away and you come in, I may snap at you because I'm on a train and you're interrupting that train and it's not personal. And 
I will get back to you and I will, I will tell you, I'll get back to you, but I'll probably be sharp and nasty. Please. I'm like a, a little kid. I need a timeout. And I would give myself timeouts as a doctor. I would go in the bathroom when I was <laughs> and I would just chill. I learned that was a really good thing to do. And I warned people ahead of time. And then I would go back and I would say, okay, I'm back. <laughs> what did you want to tell me? But people would laugh about it and they would say, Dr. Bortz is doing a timeout. <laughs> and I loved that. I loved that they got it and that we all could have fun with it. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, it's just interesting. So that's probably something we would do that maybe a first, a TE number one would not do because we do see the impact of this behavior on others and we're not so happy with ourselves about it. But at the time, there is like this crazy need, like like you said, it's, it's not rational that we have to do it now <laughs> yeah. that, um, yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's it. Yeah. yeah. We have to do it now. I think it also comes from the introverted feeling so that there's some sort of FI tied to it. That's why I find sometimes it can even be a little sharper, like the FPs when they use their TE, because there's some sort of emotional reason or motivation for why it has to get done too. Yeah. So it can be upsetting when it's not done right away. Yeah. Perhaps. Well, with what Jenna was saying is that like, it feels bad for me to be in my TE in that way. And so I'm like, I, I just have to stay in this for an extra three hours while we're waiting to figure this out. If I get this done, then I can go back to not having to engage in this way. And so I think that sometimes that's the motivation too, of just like, yeah. it's, Yeah. And then another thing that you were saying, Michelle, about the, uh, the, is it the TE bitch slap, <laughs> which is yeah, like, yeah. The, I've heard it described, <laughs> I've heard it described, um, and Joyce, I've heard you describe it as a TE guard dog of, um, where it's like something has been violated and somebody needs to be communicated that like <laughs> what you did was not okay. Or it's like, I've been provoked too many times, or it's like, you're trying to hold space and somebody's acting in ways that are just like really disrespectful or like really unacceptable. Um, and I've learned over the years, like, I, I will show up really respectful in that space. Like, I'm really careful to um, communicate in a way that's not disrespectful or, like, mean. But it's like, I will shut it down immediately and, like, it will come out. It'll be in certain contexts, um, but it'll just, like, it's like some kind of violation has happened. And it's like, this is not what we're going to do. <laughs> it's like, that's, you know, I don't know. It's like interpersonally, it will come out in that way. Not super often. Cause I'm usually, there's usually a lot of conversation and conflict resolution that can happen before it gets to that point. And it's usually, um, it has to be when something's just like really unacceptable and there's no, there's no way to, uh, yeah. I don't know what else I'm trying to say. Yeah. But it's, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Lily, do you have any thoughts? Or Booney? About the, oh the TE? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to um, encourage you guys. Of course. So. Of course. <laughs> of course. Um, I guess in a sense that I guess like I am the kind of person like I I think people would perceive me as someone who's just kind of innocent, not innocent, but like, you know, kind of like docile in a sense. Like they wouldn't expect me 
to get in that sense. But I guess when someone starts pushing my buttons or when you just basically just put me in a box, then eventually um, I'm, I don't know, like I'm definitely not going to be very happy about it because obviously eventually I'll just get down to the nitty gritty and I'll just be aggressive. But that's just because I can't control it. But it's just that I just can't take that take it anymore. It's just really hard for me to control my emotions. But then, I mean, I can control them. But at the same time, it can be really difficult when I'm just being disregarded or disrespected or, you know, um, just, you know, being provoked in many ways. And so then it's just really hard for me to just, you know, control my TE because it definitely gets to that point. Um, something like that. Yeah. Am I the only one that noticed that as she was saying, shut it down, that like there was like two or three sentences. She was very like direct into the point. And then she started talking about emotions and it got like more relaxed and a little bit more passive. I thought that was pretty. That was funny. We could like see it real time. I mean, it wasn't like you were being like too like obvious, but it was like a little a little nonverbal cute. It was cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. ENFPs can go into that TE voice mode when they talk about a partner that they're not fully satisfied with. So maybe like there's this person that they're dating that is totally being unreasonable in a certain way or just like totally a baby or a pansy or a flower or, or something that's like kind of annoying the TE and they'll start talking that TE tone and I'm like oh, like my FE's like, oh, like sounds so cold so cold <laughs> but they they love them it's just that they're being logical at that point and I it's shocking how logical ENFPs can sound we just can't help that. ourselves it's just yeah. that once we're you know um at that stage it's just we're gonna be more logical we're just gonna speak the truth and we're not going to sugarcoat anything even though we kind of do in the beginning but it's just once it gets to that point then if you want the real truth then here it is yeah yeah they go from that bubbly voice to like this monotonous voice and like this very like straight to the point voice and it's like oh this relationship is business <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of how it feels like but yeah boonie what are yeah. your thoughts on te i i use it a lot with work um, I'm an executive function coach for gifted children, mostly children. Um, and then I do parenting coaching because kids can't change on their own. So, um, and then I'm isolating right now because of COVID and stuff like that. And I moved, but I'm going to move again in a couple months. So that's why I'm stressed out right now. I'm not really talking. Sorry about that. Um, so in terms of TE, I just, I like using it a lot. Um, I did shape it in grad school to kind of like how um, probably Sh Sherry and Phoebe have done over the years where you have to be clear, concise, yes. illustrate a point. You have to be using that that voice because to me, I also pair it with competency and that's very important to me to have my, my values paired with the information that I think is important, fully understood. And um, so when, when talking about in terms of just work and you know, the work that I love, I think that when I'm showing someone how to do something, I do meet them with my FI first, right? So like, let me, ex let me share my experience of you and your struggles. Let me mirror that back to see if I fully understand your hardships right now. And then it kind of like disarms them. It helps them feel understood. It helps them, you know, heart to heart, we understand each other. And so like, do you feel understood? Let's joke about the struggle a little bit because executive functions, you know, it's, it's a lifelong struggle. You just have to learn how to manage and learn the tricks 
of living in a neurotypical world, right? And so um, once we get that across, we can, I can kick in that, that not so playful tone of voice, not, not so soft, but in general, I try to keep it playful because I don't know. It's just, I think that I did have this period of my life, probably my whole thirties. I wanted to feel professional and competent and please feel like I understand what I'm doing. I have a sense of mastery of some sort. And I think I, I took a cycle to come back to myself and realize I don't want to be so rigid anymore, even though that's what I presented as for a long time. And so I feel more free to lead with a little bit more tenderness before people can get into my TE of, of like logically showing and mapping out what to do next. What if we put, I wonder if ENFPs sometimes use your, their TE to be taken seriously because oftentimes they can have a very light social presentation because sometimes with some ENFPs or ESFPs too, like sometimes people underestimate them. And I find that the underestimating comes from like, you're so charming that they think that, oh, you know, there might not be other things underneath, but there definitely is. And so sometimes I notice ENFPs mode switch. Do you guys relate to that? <laughs> I relate to everything totally. that you're saying 100%. I'm like just thinking about myself in the workplace environment. Um, and I definitely like probably come off more like uh STJ than I really am even though like interpersonally when we're in a group setting I definitely am an ENFP like I'm throwing out my ideas I'm like turning everything into a song I'm like making everything a joke um however like when it actually comes to getting things done I'm very particular about exactly how I need things done I'm very I'm not very clear about expressing those expectations which is something I'm still working on but I'll like be really hard on myself too if I haven't expressed it right because I'll think like oh now no one's gonna trust me to be able to hold them accountable because I can't even like express clearly like what I'm trying to hold them to and it can be I definitely know that I overcompensate my site in a workplace environment so that i will be taken more seriously absolutely i what i was saying earlier about using my te for communication that's a way that i like clear concise communication it's a way that i enjoy using my te but it's also a way of um i don't know if masking is the right word but as a way of like displaying competence so it's like it's the it's a gateway to be taken seriously if i'm communicating myself effectively then my thoughts will be taken seriously and that's kind of like a, another way that TE helps. I was thinking about what Mooney said a little bit with the TE because um, as a doctor, um, my natural communication style is kind of rambling. And if I needed a consultation, which I did all the time because I was primary care, I learned to take a minute before I contacted a specialist to organize my thoughts so I could get to the point first, you know, like, because otherwise, I mean, there are times when people can't understand me. And in the medical world where everyone's going really, really fast, um, I, I just trained myself to do that it, it's almost like a neuro you know like it's like working with that neuro atypical like training people how they have to be <laughs> so i learned i had to train myself to think ahead of 
what I wanted from this person, what I needed to know, and maybe even write it down, <laughs> make a little outline <laughs> before I contacted them um, because I learned that worked better that way. <laughs> Notes and outlines are vital for us if we're to like do and complete what we want to get done and like communicate those ideas. Like I find that if I don't have like some sort of clear, like we, like you were saying, have something like planned out before I go in, I'll have an idea of where I want to go, but it's NE. So that idea quickly feeds off into other ideas and I get completely lost by whatever the conversation is. And um, yeah. So at my work, one of the things that we do to help with that is like, we have like a not necessarily a coaching flow, but like we set the expectations at the beginning of exactly what we're going to do. And then they're holding me accountable conversationally as well, because I've told them, this is what I intend to do. And this is how we're going to try to do it. And then I, even by just saying it verbally and having that short term connection, it helps me remember the things a little better too, which is weird, but it works. I don't know. People are moving around. <laughs> What's going on? Um, in a work context, I so I I've mostly only worked for myself. So I was a wedding photographer for a number of years and I'm a designer, freelance designer. So I do a lot of like I mostly just work for myself. But I find with um with checklists and you know having like a little note of when to get back to which client to do what, what are we tackling in this? email like what's the goal of this email what you know all of that sort of stuff um is helpful but then also because like with wedding photography it's a bit more unique in that you it's to do with very emotional things you know it's love it's like connection between people that sort of thing it's families getting together it's capturing those memories and it's very emotive so um the fi does kick into gear quite a bit there um so it's less probably less of a te environment by nature um but in interpersonal relationships, sometimes when you're having conversations with other people who, um, okay, separate thought just got triggered in my mind, which is classic, which I want to ask all of you about. But I was talking to my brother, who's an ENTP, my other brother, and we, we came up with this sort of idea of like an NE wound in conversation. So I realized that over the course of my life, whenever I meet someone, it's usually a dominant NI user. You're just like, your NE is going crazy and they don't interrupt and they're just listening. And then they're like, when you finish talking, they're just like, Shoo, and they just, yeah. you know, they get to the essence of it. Like, so you're saying this and I'm like, yes, how did you do that? That's magic. Um, and they can follow it, but most people are not that conversation partner. So you kind of, the effect of that is that through your life and I'm in my thirties, so it's been a little while of talking to lots of different people. Um, and through the course of a lifetime, you as an NE dom and also an ENFP, I guess, um, you learn to kind of apologize for your NE, apologize for the way you talk, and then you overcompensate by just going full TE and just being like, right, here's, I'm just going <laughs> to not follow any tangents. I'm going to get to the point. And, you know, um, so I think sometimes that's helpful in conversation when you're talking to someone who who doesn't necessarily follow the kind of ramblings or the tangential monologuing of of ne it helps to just be able to kick into that te mode and say okay here's what i'm hoping the outcome of this conversation will be or here is the problem 
what do you think? How do we solve this or whatever, if it is a problem? Um, and yeah, that, so having TE can be really helpful and beneficial there. If I'm in that mode, that's kind of what I'm focusing on is the goal, the outcome of the conversation. Um, if it's not, you know, someone who is open to the NE or whatever. Relatable, anyone? Yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, oh, that resonates so much. And that's a big, I think a big reason why my TE and communication is so well-developed. It's just to compensate for those, like wanting to be taken seriously or not wanting to, it's a, it can be a painful experience to just like, let our thoughts come out authentically and people are either not following or they're like get to the point or like people can be really can get exasperated by that and so there's there's a lot of discomfort around that and so when you have that experience enough times it's like okay well if i want people to receive what i'm saying well i have to present it in this way and so there can be like a lot of overcompensation for that for sure just a connected idea just so you have more of a picture to respond to because I'm really interested in what you all think and if you experience this. The connected idea is that when you, if you're kind of doing an NE way of talking or ramble or whatever and you're like letting your NE go crazy um, and then someone's not receptive and it gets cut off at a not an organic time, I experience after those conversations like um, uh, an FI, what I would describe as like an FI icky feeling of misrepresenting yourself to someone else because they've cut you off before you get a chance to clarify where the any was kind of getting to. So it's like this, it's like this discomfort of the FI, just like the idea of I've misrepresented myself so that the person hasn't had a chance to see the whole picture of what I'm presenting and then authentically respond to that whole picture that I'm trying to put out there. So that's the connected idea to the T. Yeah. So why you go, you would go into the TE to compensate for that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Go on. And I also noticed myself having, um, now that, I mean, type awareness, just knowing, having an awareness of type is really helpful because I can sort of have this, um, uh, meta awareness, this meta commentary for other people. So I can like, I might still be like running with my NE, but I can now tell other people what's going on. Like I've, I'll be like, sorry, my thoughts are bottlenecking right now. And I'll describe it as like, it feels like, <laughs> Like you have like three dogs trying to run out of the same dog door at the same time. It's like what it feels like when you have like all the thoughts at once. And so it's like, I can just tell people or I'll notice myself doing it. And especially if it's somebody I'm comfortable with, I'm like, stay with me. I'm going to land the plane, but like, we got to go over here first. Like, you know, and it's like, so like, I'll just name it. And I find like, that's another thing that ENFPs I think are good at is like ingratiating people to us so that we can just be ourselves but it's like not annoying because we're like we're like it's funny right we're laughing about it together this is great um but uh that helps a lot in terms of just being able to have language for it and um it helps soften that a little bit without me having to feel anxious about having I mean I still do feel anxious about it from time to time but without having to um put as much restraint around my any if that makes sense yeah, kind of just like the idea of giving the disclaimer with the TE where you say, hey, mm -hmm. like, like you said, I love, I love that. I'm like, the plane is landing at some point, but just wait, we have to go here. <laughs> yeah. I like that you guys say that because I, I think I haven't picked up on that. And rather than feel I've 
misrepresented myself. When someone shuts me down, especially if it's important, if it's not important, I don't care because I know I ramble on and on and mainly it doesn't matter if someone says enough already and I'm like, cool. And I can let it go. But if it's important, I think I don't, I feel hurt. <laughs> I go to a, my feelings get hurt. And a long, long time ago, before I had the understanding of myself and type and everything, I went on a medical trip to Mexico where we learned Spanish, but it was all medical professionals. So, um, <clears throat> I, there was another doctor on the trip and we would just chitty chat. And I guess I was being an ENFP. <laughs> and I didn't know she was forming some judgments about me as a ditz brain. <laughs> I guess she was because we came to a place where in our program, we needed to interview a patient. And when I got into this, okay, other people focus me. If I'm paying attention to you, I can be completely focused on you. I like disappear. I get totally focused on what you're saying. It runs through my body. I do all kinds of things with your energy and I'm like gone. I am totally on you. It was just so interesting because she said to me afterwards, oh my God, you're really a good doctor, aren't you? I know it. Yeah, I am. Because the what I was supposed to be doing and understanding this person's problems directed my mind into this very focused place where I was using my intuition. I was using that introverted feeling to relate to the person. but I, And then I was using my medical knowledge to evaluate and ask appropriate questions to the actual situation at hand. And, and I think that happens with people um, a lot. And if people see me in the TE mode mainly, because some people do experience me that, that way. When they come into my house and I have this beautiful, oh, just, I've just created this little, this place. <laughs> it's my refuge. People come into my little special place and they get, so many times I've had this reaction that people get me. In a way, they get my sensitivity, they get my artistic side. They get me just by walking into my house. And I think I've created an energy in that space as well that I don't feel anymore. But I wonder if some kind of energy of, of this, that loving, caring, deep part of me, um, they, they just walk in there and I just see they get me. And I'm used to that happening now, but I'm possibly less aware than I need to be of, especially the rambling. I get the TE because that I'm, I'm emotionally charged when it happens. So I know that one, but usually the rambling is so unconscious and I only know it because people get sick of it <laughs> or they don't understand <laughs> yeah so i like that you know i'm rambling around but 
there's method in my madness. So just hang with me a few minutes more and the plane will land. <laughs> I like that. I'm stealing that. I didn't make it up. Mm. You're welcome to have it. <laughs> I'll take that too, if you don't mind, because I know I'm definitely like a creature of habit, no doubt about that. But sometimes like my NE gets in the way. So as you said, like earlier, like Jenna and Sherry, that I ramble unconsciously and I don't realize that I'm doing it. And, you know, it definitely irks a lot of people. And sometimes I don't realize that I'm doing it. And because I don't realize that I'm doing this, I didn't think it's like a bad habit. So of course, like when I get cut off, I, I'm okay with it. Just maybe for one, for like just that one time. But if it just continuously half occurs, it's a, it becomes a pattern where, and then I automatically just presume that, okay, I can't be authentic or I just cannot be my myself. So then that's just when my TE just automatically just kicks in and I don't know. It's just that I promise that I'm not trying to ramble. It's just, that's just how my brain is wired. And I don't realize it's a bad habit, but if it is, I mean, at least like I can try to learn how to use my, um, how to use my TE effectively. But, you know, sometimes I'm not able to control my thoughts since I'm always full of ideas and I don't know, that's just part of who I am. Yeah. That, that would tie into just like if we form subconsciously or I, my brother and I realized we had subconsciously formed a wounding around it. So thinking that it is a bad way to be. Um, and that's largely, again, there's lots of factors that would contribute to that kind of perception. One is that, you know, you might not meet or hang out with people or in the workplace, depending where you are. Context is always important, obviously. Um, you might not meet people who are accustomed to that way of communication or see the value in it. And so that kind of conditions you over time to believe that it's bad, a bad way to express yourself or to um, refine or clarify your, your thoughts. Um, so, and then the second thing is that socially, uh, it's kind of, there are certain character or personality traits that socially are um, not, not as accepted as others. Like, uh, for example, TE, we all know that's, we love, the world loves, the modern world loves TE, like get stuff done, be a cog in a machine, try. We work, try do stuff. Be productive all the time. Yeah, so, so yeah, so for ENFPs, it's good when you can, you know, you, you can discern and know your audience, who your audience is, and then, like, modify yourself accordingly um, and know that in those contexts, sometimes that's necessary for good communication and good relationships to exist. Um, but it doesn't, it's, the distinction is that it's not because your any is bad or in any way problematic. It's just that, um, in order to communicate effectively, sometimes you have to modify your communication style to the other person and they have to do the same thing to you. So it's just about realising that that can be the case and at the same time it's not a bad thing that sometimes or all of the time you need to talk your thoughts out loud to refine and clarify what your thoughts actually are or your feelings or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Probably more your thoughts than your feelings because we're good at the feelings, aren't we? We know the feeling stuff. These days I don't ramble quite as much um, just because I'm used to <laughs> when I'm rambling and when I'm not, but I just have, have sort of shut down some of my communications with groups because there's that tendency to, to, you know, get caught up in somebody else says something else and you have to answer to that or whatever. And, and it goes, you know, you've lost control sort of, um, of what you were saying in terms of, but your, your NE follows it all, all over the place. So I just, 
I, I haven't worked uh, in corporate America. Um, I've worked pretty much for myself. And um, so I find that one-on-one -on -one conversations, you know, even about um, if I worked in the corporate world, I don't think I'd put them all out at meetings. I think I would, um, and uh, I would go, you know, one-on-one -on -one to people. Or what I've also found is that it's effective to write out your thoughts. That's how my my TE uh, gets formed is is writing down my thoughts. And some people can hear things better when they read them. Uh, introverted intuitives, I find, would prefer to have that so that they can absorb what you're saying versus extroverted it, talking is often people aren't in a, in a, that's not a listening mode for them. You know, they can't hear it. They can't, you know, their thoughts are going some other place. So anyway, I've just learned that to, to modify my communication so that, that, that I can in some way be heard. And because I've had the experience of people just totally saying, I don't know what you're saying. I don't know. I don't, I don't get you. And then the next day they'll come back and tell me exactly what I said, but it's theirs. You know, they made that idea theirs. And so, you know, <laughs> and, you know, they have no idea it really came from you. But it's, it's, it's an interesting, um, again, it's, it's that thing. What do you do with all of these uh, possibilities that we create? And what's the best way of, of really um, communicating those? And um, there's nothing wrong with it because we do it all the time. I mean, it's just where we go. But people can't hear them. They, you know, people resist change. They and and usually our possibilities are about change. Oh, you could do this differently. You know, that's the idea of our poss most of our possibilities is you know try something new. You know, try whatever. So anyway, uh, again, it's it's a learning experience of how to really manage those possibilities so that they are heard. That is such, I'm just like agreeing with you so much. Cause these are things like I'm sure I work in the corporate world. So like I have to deal with like a lot of people every day. One of my favorite things about MBTI is that once you understand where people are at, you can know when you can let your any fly and when to kind of, you know, keep yes. it, keep it contained a little bit. No, like, you know, with the, and I live with an INTJ. I've been dating him for seven years. So um, he does not like when I bombard him with the NE. He's like, that's too much. Why can't you just tell a story from beginning, middle, end? Why do you have to add in all these people? Like, because I can't remember if I don't give you all this superfluous information. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, and and another thing, like TISE, that is super helpful for clarifying your NE because they will tell you 
that is not realistic. That's you're silly for thinking about that. <laughs> you really don't believe that, do you? Yeah. <laughs> they, I had a boss who was an ESTP, and I think he was one of my favorite people to have as a boss because he was super flexible. I could come with him with my ideas. And then he'd ask me those TI questions related directly to implementation. And he's like, okay, well, what does yep. reality say about that? <laughs> does that does that logically make sense with the reality that we are actually in? And I'm like, well, it could. <laughs> My answer is always it could. But I think uh, adapting yourself and also recognizing when people have things that can teach you to better make use of your own skills can be really helpful. Like I was saying with ESTPs, they are really great at getting you back on track, but also being like your hype person, like they're there for you, but they want you to like, make sure that you're realistic. Um, ESFPs are gonna like stand up for you and they're gonna like fight with you. And like, if you have something that you need to get taken care of, the ESFP is gonna help you make sure that it gets done. Uh, the INTJs will help you round out your ideas, make sure that they're very effective for coming out the INFJs. They're going to help you kind of clear your ideas about people. Right. INFJs just like understand people in a way that's slightly different from how we understand. They understand people as a concept. We understand, like you were saying, like the individual dynamics, we get that. But like when it comes to people as a whole, sometimes it's harder to understand those kind of concepts. And Mm -hmm. every type has has their benefits like jenna was talking about being with her intp he tells her when her te is being too strong so like just recognizing and understanding people's type and how they relate to yours like <clears throat> entps best conversation ever because they will feed off you you feed off them we go on a million tangents you talk for eight hours didn't even know eight hours passed and then you're like well <laughs> i didn't eat it all today but that's okay <laughs> Because we had yeah. fun. <laughs> but, but that yeah. is the benefit of knowing type. Mm -hmm. And and an understanding that you can be yourself, but but um, understanding they have to be themselves too. Yeah. And what uh, you know, my experience with people is what what can I learn from them? You know, what do I need to learn um, from this experience? And um you know, as you say, each one has its gift. Absolutely. Yeah. And Michelle, when you mentioned ENTP and ENFP and how they can go on conversations galore together, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like how intuitives, when they start dating each other, they talk a lot. So a lot of a, a relationship between two intuitives is a lot of conversation a lot of the time because they're exchanging ideas and concepts together and there's a little bit of wanting to exchange mind thoughts. Yep. <laughs> there's so many ways to think about things. <laughs> like no, there's no tomorrow. Seriously, you're stuck with us. <laughs> My ENTP brother and I, we can just talk for like hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And every family gets together. When my brother and I start talking, everyone's like, all right, well, they're out. Like, just leave them alone. They'll be talking forever. That NE camaraderie is real. <laughs> Kristen just checks out of the chat like every time. Like, I can't. It's too much. <laughs> That's my ESFP sister. 
But there's something like so, so helpful about having ESFPs in your life. Like really just like having someone who reminds you, like be in the moment, stop talking. Like let's do like there's some things. Yeah. And be spontaneous. I bet I swear we're, we're really spontaneous. It's just that they want us to, because they're more expert than we are, I would say, because I think we're more ambivert. They want us to just go out of our shell and just to explore and just do do random things. Just do it. Yeah. And even in conversation, like even in, because ESFPs, you know, there's a stereotype that they're stupid or whatever, but they're really, really, like my sister, for example, she's incredibly intellectual and incredibly smart. Um, And the perspectives that she offers when we are chatting are like incredibly valuable perspectives that come from tangible sense data, empirical data, which I also value obviously, but in a different way, I interpret it a different way. Um, And she brings her... Uh, concrete life experience to a lot of things which is invaluable um you know when we're when we're chatting about an idea or a concept you'll say well this is my experience of that and that's always helpful to have just we love all the types just so yeah to have all the different <laughs> all the types rock they they're all rock in their own way so there's yeah, no, no the type, yeah yeah no type superiority <laughs> all types yeah. are, are equal in value And so last question before we wrap up the chat, I'm wondering what is everyone's relationship with brainstorming? What is your role when in a conversation where you're bouncing ideas off with people? Depends on context. Yeah. True. As everything does. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a little bit of a stereotype that ENFPs are the first to, to brainstorm. I think Mm -hmm. that we, it's so unconsciously that it's whenever, at least I find, if I am forced to brainstorm, I come up blank. I'm like, I got nothing. I'm sitting here looking at a blank page for four hours. But you have a conversation going around me and no one wants my input. I've got plenty of ideas. <laughs> They're just come yeah. later. Just not right the, <laughs> the any, like we need, in order to brainstorm, we need to start with a data point or several data points. We need to have something to jump and piggyback off of. NE is focused on what is there and what does that data suggest about the a million trillion possibilities. So if someone's already said a few things or they've they've sparked a thought, then it's like, you know, it's a free-for-all. There's so many possibilities of one thought, but we need the thought to start it. We need the data point. We need the reference point um, mm-hmm. to then link all the other the things. Or we need the memory of a data point or, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as they give you, like, a little bit and it can spark something, you can go a long way with it. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because you, you see the whole picture, it, it depends also. Again, it's context. It depends on what the person is talking to you about, like, is it work-related? What it, if someone's coming to you for advice, for example, it's like, well, what are your, what's your position? Let me start with what you believe and what you think, and then I can extrapolate from that. Otherwise, it's kind of like I don't know where to start because sometimes someone will ask a question or say something, and my brain just sees like all the million infinite ways I could answer that question. I need more information so that I can then answer it in a meaningful way and kind of go from there. Well, I feel like the most meaningful brainstorming comes from having some kind of restraint or restriction that we're working with, like creative problem solving. It's like when options are more limited, that's when any really shines because it's like we can work with things that are more, um, we can come up with solutions that are less obvious, but it's like having that that limitation is actually really helpful for activating that because if everything is possible all the time, then it's like, how do you even start anywhere, you know? 
What yeah, I think that um, I would agree with that. And I just think about my interactions with patients and, you know, I would throw something out and they would go, you know, I could see it. They would never do that in a million years. Well, some other doctors would be stopped by that, but I'm like, well, how about this? Or, and, and I don't feel like there's just one solution. You know, I, I know there are many, many ways to deal with this. And um, I guess I use it most effectively in one-on-one -on -one with someone who wants a problem to be solved. Because a lot of times people, we all know this because we want it too. We just want support. Yes, there's a problem, but we're living with that problem. We've already, sometimes you just decide living with the problem is the best solution, but you want to whine about it a little or something. But if, if someone comes to me and they really want my opinion on something, I will put something out. And then if I get negative feedback, I'll, it's just really easy to pull in something else. Well, how about this? Or, you know, how have you, I mean, one favorite thing I have is how have you solved this kind of thing? Is this like something else you've handled before in your life? And I pull it out of them, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I enjoy that. In in fact, that's one of my biggest pleasures in life is doing that. One thing that's in my NE hopper that just has popped out, which you guys will understand, my NFP friend is going to have a hip replacement in a month. And I used to do interactive guided imagery for surgical preparation with people. And that thought is going in my head. Hmm, I bet I still remember how to do that. She's very anxious. I wonder if I should do it. But it's it's a N a, an FI. It's in the FI branch of one. Do I really want to do it? Do I really? Uh, my experience is that doing guided imagery goes really deep with people, but mm -hmm. surgical prep guided imagery usually doesn't, and that maybe it would help her feel more comfortable about surgery. So it's not like I'm thinking, oh, bing, 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 how to make her more comfortable. But it's like I have this idea that's now gone into introversion and it's going through some FI process of, do I want to tell, do I want to bring this up with her? And it could take me a long time to decide. And I might just let go of it and trust because of the synchrony aspect. I might do it, but it would have to come up in some kind of way, I think, before I would say it. But that doesn't mean it's not in my brain for a long time as a possible yeah. option that yeah. could be helpful for someone. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's just kind of a thing of, I think it's like what people are saying is, yeah, we can do that. Maybe all that brainstorming, but what's more satisfying to us is, is to um, solve human problems, maybe our own, maybe other people's. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least help them solve their problems. Yeah, or help them solve them. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm hearing too, Sherry, from you is, 
you can throw out these ideas, but you're not really committed to them. So if someone shuts them down, you're okay with it. You're like, uh, I, I can come up with, you know, four other ideas that you can maybe consider too. And no hard feelings. No hard feeling. Really no hard feelings. I'm not attached to the result. Well, and, and all we do is, is sort of give people another way of thinking about things you know, another possibility. Well, you know, you could look at it this way. You could look at it this way. And, and you know, and seeing options that they haven't thought about before, you know. And they have to decide which one would work for them. It's not you telling them, well, you should do this. It's really, okay. I'm just going to throw these balls up in the air and you see if any of them stick, you know, or any of them, you know, land. And, and that's all we do for people is just give them some, uh, some hope that there are other ways of doing things than that they may not have thought about. And um, so I, I, again, it's all about change. It's all about thinking outside the box and it's usually it usually is about a problem that they're having that they need another way of thinking about it or another solution and that's what we give them we don't give them their answers we give them their options you know absolutely and so melanie lily booney do you guys want to add anything <laughs> Sometimes I just feel like my yeah. end is just constantly screaming to like brainstorm more ideas, just more constant ideas, just like, just like neurons just fighting off each other. Because I guess our purpose is to just kind of understand how the world works and just, you know, look into the big pic picture because um, we're always constantly thinking outside of the box. And, you know, we're just curious mammals striving to understand why we're here and our life purpose. And, you know, we try to piggyback on like, multiple potentials and like possibilities and we're going to keep exploring and discovering yeah. new values and it's going to be a constant never-ending cycle but that's not going to stop us to like to do what we do because we're yeah. we're just craving to learn something new and i don't know well it it's not a cycle it's really a, a spiral you know okay, there you go that's the word i was thinking of i was like see it's, it's a growth it's a growth process you know, and you yeah. learn more about yourself and the world in the process, you know? Yeah, that's why we're all in a work in progress. That's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Boone, you look like you wanted to say something. Oh, I was just thinking about in terms of brainstorming. I am more guarded about sharing and talking um, because of past experiences, but I channel it into different sources like my channel. I have a discord with INTPs where I just love listening to their, their conversations because it resonates so much. Um, the one thing that I just will add, because a lot of ENFPs love to problem solve and just like want to help people reach their true potential and that we truly see that authenticity of what people can be. We, we truly are the champions for people, right? Um, yeah. The one thing I will help plant seeds for because it is this individual journey is the, the, the seeds of compassion and grace for yourself like people sometimes they will throw those solutions back at you they'll they'll be defensive and say hey why didn't you push harder why didn't you know tell me that this was really the answer by the time they're ready to do something right like hey i knew 
uh, you really do have to be ready for that change. So it's not on me, you know, like give yourself that grace. Like I did what I could. I truly believed in you by being present with you. I truly championed for you to hopefully know that you will, you're strong enough to fight for yourself. I can't do that for you. So um, just throwing it out there that many times that will happen because a lot of people don't want to look at themselves in the mirror with that accountability that they could have grown a little bit faster if they allow someone in to be vulnerable. So it is hard sometimes. Yes, it is. Well put. Jenna, you look like you wanted to say one last. Oh, I just, I wanted to say that was great, Boonie. Thanks. That was, that's a good message. Another thing, which is maybe controversial to say in a panel of ENFPs, but one thing I, I will share from my own experience that I have learned is that sometimes your intuition and your feelings about someone are completely wrong. Like sometimes you're completely off the mark, you're completely wrong and you need to be open to that and be able to, you know, if we have a strong sense of, of who someone is or what they're about, sometimes that's a projection of a part of ourselves or projection of our own experience. And I've been so wrong about people before and I think it's really important especially people who use completely different functions or have a completely different life story or circumstances um, just to be really um, open to your own inability to do the things that you pride yourself on to do those well because you're not always going to do them well so mm -hmm. that's just what I would say yeah the way I like to look at it is that I trust whatever I'm picking up on is present but I can't have the information about it. It's like, I can pick up a vibe from somebody and my, if somebody, if I feel like not good about somebody, something I'm picking up on something that is real. So like not dismissing that, but I can't assign a story to that unless I have information from them. And I think that's where sometimes if we're not careful, we can decide that we know what is going on. It's like, we can trust the feeling and simultaneously be like, I don't have all the information here. Yeah. yeah. And that touches on the ENFP theme of grayness, the ability to see the grayness, the complexity and the nuance behind a situation. All right, cool. And so thank you everyone for coming up today and discussing the beautiful ENFP brain and mind and soul and heart and your ability to see the change that the world needs and to be able to champion that. And so that you're able to bring out the potential within people into the world. Thanks, Jenna, for talking about the concept of NE wounding. That was transformational. It talks about, like, you know, why there can be like this NE that you may not feel comfortable sharing or feel shame about sharing that is perfectly normal and natural and amazing. It put a name to a pain that people feel. And I think that that is a very cathartic, relieving thing to hear. So you provided a lot of NE doms, like a sense of breathing out like, oh, it's that, it's that, that's what I've been dealing with. Cause it's almost like this invisible suffering you deal with. Cause it's like, there's no name to it and no one knows it exists unless they know typology. They're like, ah, oh, it's NE wounding. Uh, that makes all the world of sense now. And thank you, Sherry, for talking about your divination ENFP side and the ability to explore the mystical or the areas other people are too afraid to explore, but giving room to magic in your life. And that's something very beautiful. You see magic where other people, they block themselves off to it. You allow yourself to lean into it. So you lean into the magic. And so that's amazing. <laughs> and Phoebe, thanks for 
being the bridge between APT and Type Talks. I appreciate you getting these ENFPs to, to come on the channel and your talks about synchronicity are really beautiful. They're heart touching. <laughs> and Booney, I really enjoy your commentary on being the person who is the voice for neurodivergent people and gifted people. And you're a great coach for people who do that. Abuni also has an amazing YouTube channel that I'll link below that you should go check out. Um, yeah, she is the real MVP in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, and great FI fashion sense with me matching you know, pink everywhere. I find that sometimes with FI users, you find that the space that they live in or their home matches who they are in some way. So when Sherry was talking about, you know, when you come to my home, you know a little bit about me. I think that you learn a little bit about FI by how it presents certain things sometimes. And so I, I feel that when I look at your gaming set, Boonie, you, I can tell you do some work in the nerd space, but you're also really awesome too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Melanie, thanks for being in the same PH group as me, and we get to talk about a lot, a lot of personality hacker things together. I appreciate the the Reiki that we did together, and how you're able to show me the power of energy transfer between people, because there's a natural healing energy that happens when you have good intentions towards people. And I think when ENFPs give benefit of the doubt or they see the best in people, you're transferring healing energy to people too, because you give them space to live up to their potential when you believe in the best in them, which is amazing. I could feel that through your Reiki practices. And Lily, it was really nice talking with you. You really represent the more socially ambiverted spectrum of ENFPs. You're very ENFP too. That ENFPs don't have to be like these really loud, sparkly unicorns. They, they can show in many different shades and, and places. And I really appreciate the ability to, to represent that viewpoint that you have there too. And Michelle, it's nice to have you on. I liked how you talked about the panels as an excuse to, to talk to your friends, which is great. I, I love these panels too, because they're an excuse to talk to my favorite people in the world. It's like, hey, you wanna come out and you wanna chat? Like, yes. Like secretly, I'm like, yes, I get to talk to these really cool people. I'm so happy. <laughs> so this is really fueling my FE connecting or my NF radar. Like I always need like a certain amount of NF to feel this um, sense of amazement in the world. And so you all are filling up my amazement cup. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, go check out Heart of Michi and Booney's channel and also Dear Kristen's channel as Jenna's sister. <laughs> yeah. Thanks everyone for watching. We'll see you all in the next episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And also everyone send me your thumbnails. So like uh, a photo of you, just like a headshot of you. If you have it, if you don't have a headshot of yourself, I will just uh, take a picture of the, what I have of you here. <laughs> and then I will just put it in the thumbnail. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about putting this out tomorrow. So if you have a photo of yourself, that would be excellent. Okay. So in other words, do it now, because otherwise I'll forget. <laughs> yeah, I got to write myself on a because I'm going to forget too. You know, I do, one of my favorite things about technology, and this is an ADHD thing, I don't know if this is all ENFPs, um, but 
if I like, I know I want to do something, but I'll often forget to do it. And so like technology is really great because I can set it to remind me to do things. But if I don't set that reminder right, or if I ignore the reminder when it comes up, then the, the whole point is mute. mute but uh... <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's uh, something I do purposefully in ENFP panels. I send you reminders that it's <laughs> I really appreciate that. Oh my gosh, yes, I knew it. I knew it. I And a direct message, and I was like, oh, thank goodness, because I, like, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, oh, yeah, tomorrow's the day. I thought it was yesterday, and then I was like, okay, tomorrow's the day. And then I, like, totally forgot, and she, she messaged me. I was like, yes, okay, I'm going to get out of work on time. I'm going to be there. Thanks, everyone, for chatting. This was really enjoyable. I have to go yeah. back to my children, so I'm going to tap out. But thank you so oh, much, Jenna. Thank you so much for, for guiding us. You had really Bye. good insights. You too, all of you also. Thank you. <laughs> Yay. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs>